hour two of the game, the game after work with Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Big Steve is on the phone right now trying to get a hold of Curry Sexton so we could talk about the Cats. I don't know, man. He might be uh, trying to dodge the call. He doesn't want me to uh, bring up the butt whooping the Clay Center Tigers <laughs> laid on the Abilene Cowboys this past Friday. Dodging that one. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't want to he doesn't want the smoke. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Who does? I, the entire city of Abilene is is like, "No, no, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about, man. Don't even bring it up. Don't even bring We're it up. past it. Moving on. Next game. Next question. Oh, looks like we have him. Hey, uh, Curry, uh, welcome to the show. Curry Sexton is now our guest, former K-State wide receiver, also with the Wildcat Wildcats Den NIL Collective. Man, what happened to Abilene this past Friday, man? That was ugly. Yeah, it was a bad weekend for uh, for, for my for, for my sports team. Um, yeah, that was pretty ugly, I hear. I, 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 I didn't follow it closely, check the box score, check, check, the, check the rundown after the game, and they were uh, somehow more embarrassing than, than K-State. Yeah, to be honest with you, you know way more than I do. I just saw the final score. Uh, That's pretty much what I saw. Yeah. but uh, Well, Curry, let's talk Cats. And, and you mentioned it, um, talking about, of course, the offense and about how, yeah, it didn't look pretty. Uh, a lot of things were not on the right track. Miscommunications, Adrian Martinez not throwing the ball down the field. The blocking was uh, absolutely a concern, but um, I, I guess I'll get you just your take off the bat here of just w- the way things unfold with the K-State offense, where your mind is right now heading into this Oklahoma game about the optimism going forward with the offense. Ooh, I mean, it's it, it's tough to be op- optimistic. Um, you know, I think we're, you know, we're in a little bit of a, of a crisis situation given that our offense is pretty much one guy. And as we saw last week, if you get a if you get a competent defense that really focuses on that one guy, he can make life pretty troublesome um, for the offense. And so, I think we're uh, I think we're we we've probably put ourselves in the situation given the sort of the, the I would say the leash that, that that has seemingly been put on um, Adrian, and and now it's unfortunate that, that going into what you know what what without last week's loss was going to be one of the biggest games of the year and still is. Um, we're, you know, we're hoping that all of a sudden the, the Adrian Martinez of old and the, the, the Adrian Martinez we hoped we were getting um, can, can reappear. And, and so I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned by that because this does appear to be a guy who's either being coached to be very, very conservative or because of all of the press about its history of turnovers and bad decisions is, is basically refusing to take chances, um, and so that's pretty concerning. I mean, if, if we're if we're just going to throw checkdowns and throw throw passes on third and long to you know somewhere under the sticks, that's just not a winning recipe. And so I think I'm I'm pretty concerned overall about the about, you know about the you know what the what the next nine games look like, just because the Big Twelve is going to be really really tough. Um, as we've seen, you know some of the some of the typical doormats don't appear to be doormats. Um, and some teams who are expected to have down years don't look like they're going to have down years. Um, and so, you know, this, you know, if we don't get things, if we don't get the ship, if we don't get it on the, you know, on the right path, I think, I think this could be a, you know, it could be a long, long stretch to the end of the season. Yep, absolutely. And you brought up, you know, the third and fourth downs. Casey was a combined three of twenty. 
on third and fourth down, which it, you know kind of reminds me of the 2020 season and how that much how that was uh, an issue really all season, converting third downs and then not converting the fourth downs, and really that's kind of also how Courtney Messingham ends up losing his job along with the play calls. You brought though the routes that were being ran to try to pick up yardage on third down. Well, I I'm just I'm I'm sick of you know routes being ran on like a third and nine, and you're running six yards and over to the sideline, a little out route that you're not getting to the sticks to pick up the third down yardage. Is that when it comes to a wide receiver? Is it strategy? Is that what the call plays for? Uh, what the uh, the play calls for? Or is that just not running the route as far as you should, not knowing where the sticks are? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, for one, I don't think any, any you know, if you're in a third down and seven situation, I don't think any offensive coordinator would, you know, would ever call for an out route if that's your, if that's your you know, if that's your number one option to be run at, at six yards. Um, any, you know, any, any good offensive coordinator or wide receivers coach will say, okay, if you got third and seven, then you need to run that that out route at eight or nine yards because naturally you're going to come back to the football um, and that's going to put you right at the sticks. And so I think it's just, I think it's a, you know, part of me thinks, you know, maybe these guys aren't being coached right because I I can tell you for a fact that under Coach Smith and Coach Coleman, if we would have done something like that once, but especially three, four, five times, um, probably playing time probably, probably would have been diminished. Um, and then, you know, I think it's also just, I think it's guys just not doing what they're, what they're supposed to do. Um, I mean, I think any football sense would say, you know, on, on any, on, on, on third and, you know, third and short, um, any, any third or fourth down situation where you're running a route, um, you know, you, you have to make sure you get to the sticks and that's just not, you know, that's just not being done. I think also, um, you know, part of it, I think comes back to chemistry, you know, I told you early on. I said I'm not a fan of this idea that in the early stages against you know against teams that you should beat that you just that you that you sort of use one page of the playbook and, and save the rest um, because again, Adrian wasn't wasn't you know he wasn't really out there most of the off season because of his shoulder surgery, um, and so he didn't get the time to build that rapport with his receivers. And I think we're seeing that aside from maybe his rapport with Cade Warner that was pre-established. And then finally, one of my one of my biggest complaints is there have been a number of situations where a guy does catch a pass beneath the sticks and not and he doesn't have the recognition to understand. Okay, I just caught it a yard or two short. I need to turn and just dive past the first down marker, or just turn and just instantly take a hit and get that first down. Instead, you're seeing guys come back to the football, make the catch, and then they're turning and kind of analyzing and then doing a little bit of dancing and getting stopped short. You have to understand at all times the situation, and, and you're either running the you're running the route past the sticks, and making sure that when 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 you catch the pass, you have the first down secured. Or if you're beneath the sticks, you understand. Okay, I need to find a way to get a first down, and I just don't think we're having guys do that. And so I just I don't know if it's a lack of a of, of a football IQ or if it's just poor coaching, combination of both. But um, no matter what the combination is or the problem, you know the the cause of the problem is. I think that has to be resolved. Curry Sexton is our guest. I was uh, pretty unhappy watching the game back, and I noticed, especially like for example, the first drive that K State turned the ball over on downs, which was in the first half. I thought there was maybe not a lack of focus, but maybe just a lack of effort. 
I guess, from the wide receivers to block on some of those running plays. How important, especially runs outside the tackles, is for wide receivers to stick with the guy they're blocking and not let him go two seconds after the play's alive? Oh, it's vital, um, especially when you have a running back like Deuce, who, who you know is, is, is capable of, of taking, you know, taking his run um, in any direction. And, and, you know, a guy who's got the speed and quickness to get to the outside, even on, even on inside run plays, um, you have to get in front of your guy and you have to position yourself from a leverage standpoint to, to, to make sure that in the event that Deuce does bust it one way or another, you're able to make that block. Um, and so I think it's, again, I think it goes back to guys just not putting, you know, not making the effort, guys not being coached hard enough. Um, but man, in a running, in not, in a, in a, in a heavy run-based offense, when your when your best when your best player is your running back, you know, run blocking from from a receiver perspective is is almost as important as being able to get open and catch the football. Um, and and you're right, there have been too many instances where you know we're a couple blocks away, and and even you know a couple blocks away on the edge from from you know having a, a big player at the very least first down, and guys just aren't doing that. And you know, I think at some point somebody's got to send a message to you know to, to the guy you know to the guys who aren't taking care of business. Um, and maybe and you know we you know apparently you know we were told before the season that the receiver room had the most depth of any position on the team. And maybe at some point we have to start you know getting some of those you know getting some of those younger guys some experience and seeing if they can you know do the job. Yeah, and there was some contrast to that uh, statement from Coach Kleiman earlier there on Tuesday, talking about the wide receivers, and now Colin Klein wanted to just go with the with the three guys, not do as much rotation, just stick with those three guys mostly, and uh, see if anybody younger than that can uh, work their way into the rotation by proving it in practice. So, uh, again, Curry Sexton is our guest. So, let's look at it this way: if you're the coach after what you saw against Tulane. If you're the coach making these calls, Coach Kleiman said it's it's basically ride or die with Adrian Martinez against Oklahoma. But if he's not throwing the ball downfield and it's a lot of checkdowns and the offense is struggling, I mean, re- realistically, like how much of a leash is there at that point? My thing is, if you can't trust a guy to make throws on third and long um, or make throws down the field really at all, then I just you're not going to win football games. Um, you can have, you know, you can have the best running back in the history of college football. Um, and if you can't, if you can't make some, you know, some, some intermediate and downfield throws and, you know, that running back's just not going to be able to, to cut loose. And so, um, you know, I saw a guy on Saturday who had absolutely no confidence. And again, I don't know if that's confident, if that lack of confidence comes from, you know, comes from just just his his history, or if it comes from the coaching that he's receiving. Um, but I, but I, I, you know, I see a guy who lacks confidence. I mean, you know, he he just, he, for instance, on that on that last play um, before the half, you know, at, when, when we were we were, I, I think it was third and goal. There was like six or seven seconds left. We knew we had, we knew we could run one play, but obviously had to make sure it was a touchdown or an incompletion. Um, and he has Malik Knowles wide open um, on an out route. You know, you just throw the ball to the pylon. It's an easy touchdown to go into the half up 14-7. to That probably changes the complexion of that game. But instead, you have a guy who's gun-shy and isn't doesn't want to make that throw to the outside and risk an interception that might go the other direction than if he throws it into the bleachers. 
Um, and aside, so really aside from the, the, you know, the really pretty touchdown pass that he threw to Cade, that really was a high risk throw, but was, but was very well done. Um, this was a guy who just did not want to throw the ball down the field. And, and in a lot of instances, when we did see him try to throw the ball, um, even on your more intermediate routes, um, he was overthrowing guys. And so I just think we have a guy who's just not, not comfortable throwing the football and that's problematic. And I just think at some point they're going to have to have to make a decision in the best interest of the team. If we don't see improvement, it says, okay, well, Howard, you know, that red shirt plan is off or, or okay, Jake Rudley, it's your time to get a shot. Um, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a, there's definitely a fine line. And at some point, I think we're probably going to have to make a decision that, that, you know, that, that some people within, within the program might not want to make or not, might not have been prepared to make. Speaking with Curry Sexton, former K-State wide receiver, also with the Wildcats Den NIL Collective. So you're somebody that, uh, you know, in this last 10 years, K-State has, has had a lot of success in Norman, Oklahoma, and you were a part of two wins in Norman. I would like to hear, because this is going to be different from 2020, where, uh, yes, both teams did bounce back from an embarrassing loss to a team that you feel like, yeah, you absolutely should have beat. Both of those teams in 2010 and 2020. 22 or 2020 in 22 uh was terrible on third down but this is in front of a packed house this time but what is the environment like as a player at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium when you're facing a top 10 Oklahoma team and you actually have a shot to win that game yeah so so obviously we had two two totally different environments um you know 2012 game was obviously a night game there was a ton of you know ton of hype around it um 2014 maybe not as much and that was an 11 a.m kick so not as you know the 11 a.m kicks just aren't as they're a little more the the, opposing crowd's a little more docile than they would be in a night game um but yeah the, the environment is just incredible i mean obviously that's that's a huge stadium um, they have great fans. It's a pretty electric atmosphere um, from the pregame. You know, they play they play some good pregame music, really gets guys going. But, you know, I found over the years that, you know, going on the road, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's uh, it, in some, in some ways it can be a little bit more easier to, to play your best on the road um, because you go down there, there aren't distractions. I mean, for, for you know, 98% of the crowd is, is supporting the home team. Um, and so really it's just the, it's just the, the, the 85 guys plus the coaches and staff in the locker room, you know, kind of them, them against the world. And so you don't have those distractions and you really go down there. It's a business trip. You focus, you try to go out there and get the job done. And there's really no better feeling than, than, you know, in front of the massive home crowd going out and, and stunning them, um, and really making, and, and really quieting um that that giant stadium and so i think the biggest thing you know is when you go when you're when you're playing in a game like that especially in a night game where the crowd is going to be you know pretty wild is you have to go out and you have to make sure that you that you that you either you know take the first shot or if you if you get hit with the first punch you punch right back um, because there's really an ability for a crowd to take over a game like that if you get down big early and so you know hopefully we go out and we you know we have a we have a good you know, first drive, whether we're on defense or offense, and really set the tone for the night. Well, Curry, to wrap up, are you giving K-State a chance to knock off the Sooners in Norman on Saturday? You know, it's it's uh, that, that's a good question. I, I was I was actually talking with a couple guys from the 2020 team the other night, and uh, and you know, just 
you know, as I've been reminded on Twitter, this is this this is uh, eerily similar to 2020 when you know we lose the Arkansas Arkansas State game and then go down and knock off um, Oklahoma. So, you know, with that in mind, I think I'm, I'm I'm holding out a little bit of hope. But that 2020 team had had a had an X factor at the quarterback position. You know, they had Skylar Thompson who was who was proven. Um, and and I I I'm, I don't have that same feeling with with the, you know the situation we have at quarterback right now and with our offense as a whole, um, and so while I'm holding out a little bit of hope, I I'm I'm not overly optimistic. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm with you, Curry. Certainly am. Um, that's all I got for you, Curry. You still staying busy doing your lawyer stuff? <laughs> Absolutely, man. We're busy. We're uh we're we're hopefully gonna hopefully gonna have some big news here in the in the coming weeks or months that uh that we're excited to share with everybody but yeah we're we're staying busy now is that about wildcats den nil it is, well yes it is okay are you a lawyer or an attorney i know there's a difference um I, you know what is the difference i'm, well, I'm an attorney i think one of them has the option to practice outside the state of kansas and no, I think attorneys and lawyers are the same thing. Are they? Uh, I think I think it could be that a lawyer has a, has a law degree and, a, and a, an attorney has, has passed a bar exam. Um, either way, I'm licensed to practice law in both Kansas and Missouri. Oh, you're um, right. So I, uh, yeah, I, I I guess we call ourselves attorneys, but I think we're I think we're referred to as both. But yeah, anyway, so I, I'm a full time lawyer. I do the NIL stuff on the side. Um, but yeah, we should have some hopefully have some fun news for for K State fans here here in you know coming weeks, coming months. Troy, did you do some further research on this? I I swore like maybe one of the differences was like you know you could practice law anywhere, or maybe that's just for everybody. You got to take the... no, you have to be licensed in any state to practice. In okay, state. well, what the hell do I know, Curry? That's why we have you on. Dude. <laughs> why are you acting like you know? Why are you acting like you know? Dude? Well, I I just thought I had read that somewhere. Yeah, Curry. Okay, here's the deal, man. I got um, I got some some goods from uh, from Mitch. He doesn't know about. I okay. I stole it. What's uh-huh. what does it look like for me going into a trial situation? Should I go ahead and admit that I've done it, or just not? Say I think you word? just did. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Well. Damn. Yeah, never. Never admit that you've done it. <laughs> See, that's what well, I'm the, talking about. Some of the best advice that's you could ever get right here on right. K-Man yeah. from Curry Sexton. Shutting up yeah. is, is the Thank general you. phraseology, Curry yes. Sexton, attorney at law. All right. All right, Curry, we'll stop bothering you. Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. That's Curry Sexton here on The Game. When we come back, we'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit further, I suppose. K-State, Oklahoma. I'm, am I giving the cats a shot to get it done we'll find out next losing to Tulane 17 to 10 really changed the narrative for this one there's a reason Fox picked it for seven o'clock prime time on Fox was because it was expected to see two three and O teams battling out to start big 12 play which by the way K-State once again starting big 12 play on the road, it's happened. How many? Play the Willie Nelson. Yeah, how many? How many times have what, the twenty seventh year of the Big Twelve or something? It's like twenty two times it started on the road yep. or something like oh, that. Yep. I, I don't complain as much mm-hmm. of a, as others do. Yep. Wyatt. But uh, yeah, why? D. Scott Fritch. He he's the one that keeps the stat. I believe. I yeah. think that's actually where I got the stat was D. Scott Fritch, and he's a guy of numbers. That that. Yeah. 
Whatever happened to fairness from a conference office? Well, you come out and you win the first Big 12 game at home, and they figure, eh, you good. Got to balance it out somehow. Yeah. 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 It's also, I mean, no doubt. I mean, it's not the first I mean, time K-State has started in Norman. No. No, no. Yeah, I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. I mean, back-to-back weeks, you, you have to start on the road for the 22nd time in 27 years of the conference, and oh, then for the second, then the second weekend, uh, yeah, you uh, uh, won't have TV, you're streaming only. What's that yeah. about? That is awful. Uh, well, what it, what it is is conference K-State office. versus Texas Tech. I mean, yeah, the I know. game, right, yeah. isn't sexy. No. It's not going to draw eyeballs. So, hey, the fan bases want to watch it, which is all we're going to draw as fan bases. ESPN Plus, you figure it out from there. These Photoshopped, these fake plastic surgery laden games, I hate them. I'm more of a natural game kind of guy, if you know what I'm saying. And does it get more natural than K-State and Texas Tech? That's right. I like me a little natural, okay? These fake matchups. See you later. Little tortilla action. So Saturday, K-State and OU kick at 7. Power kick game day, 3 o'clock. Derek Young, Cole Manbeck, and myself. Mitch. We'll break it all down for you. But I wanted to answer the question, the way I feel right now, am I giving K-State a chance to actually pull off an upset like they've done three of the last five trips into Norman, Oklahoma? Uh, well, the answer is always going to be yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's never going to be a game where I don't feel like K-State, there's a glimmer of hope in there somewhere. Just you know, just depends week by week and who the opponent is. A matchup like this, no duh. We all feel different than we did before 2 o'clock last Saturday Yes, about K-State's chances. If K-State won the game against Tulane 24-17, we're feeling probably maybe a little bit down that it wasn't an ass-whooping. But there's more optimism because you're not two and one, you're three and zero, oh. and maybe yes, you could call it a letdown, but at least you won the game. Where I do have hope is obviously, and this is where, of course, I had the hope against Tulane is in the defense. What keeps K State in the game is that if the offense is not moving the ball, they're making a mistake. The defense comes out and backs them up. But that, that, that's, that's a ton to ask for all night long. On the flip side, if the defense goes out there for you offense and makes a hell of a play, forces a turnover, which they've been great at forcing turnovers, going to get those interceptions. I mean, heck, Daniel Green has back-to-back games with an interception. He's the first to do that since Arthur Brown in 2012. That's been 10 wow. years since a linebacker has done something like that for you. And we saw... Uh, three points out of one of those interceptions in zip out of the other one in the two we had against Tulane. If that defense goes and makes a stop, go back them up. Go help them out in short yardage and go cash that thing in. But clearly where our optimism does drop significantly is just our lack of trust in the offense now. Adrian Martinez... The trust that he had going into Tulane is gone. Passing the football, it's gone. Now it's trying to earn that back. And unfortunately for Adrian Martinez, I, I would imagine the time that he has to earn it back is short. 
he is going to be the ride or die against Oklahoma. Seeing Adrian get benched in that game, it, it's got to be just a blowout probably. And then you would call that benching, well, it's out of hand. Let's just get one of the younger guys in there and see what he can do. An actual threat to lose his job happens after this game. Then the conversation really ramps up if improvement is not made. It will really ramp up leading into the Texas Tech matchup. Because at that point, you're thinking, well, if we couldn't make it happen here, we have to look towards the future and give one of these guys an opportunity. Hopefully it would be Jake Rubley. Because that would help out your quarterback room a lot more if it is Jake Rubley who had the shot moving forward. But Adrian threw for 289 yards, a touchdown interception last year for Nebraska against Oklahoma. This Oklahoma defense is improved from last year. I think that's clear. You can see, I mean, their numbers right now are really good. And no, they haven't played. I want to use the term quality opponent. Nebraska's not a quality opponent. No. It's really not. That was a team they could beat up on, and they did. And they did. And they proved that they're not going to be fun to play against. But Oklahoma did have some issues at protecting the passing game. I should rephrase that. The Oklahoma defense had a tough time stopping the passing game from opposing teams last year. It has shown to be better this year. The numbers are down. But I think that's also in part because Oklahoma has done a good job getting in the backfield. The guys in the box have, have gotten in the backfield, tackles for loss. They have, I think, 13 sacks. That's one of the best in the country right now. Turnovers. I mean, they're just going out and making plays. And so with the passing game, you got to worry about everybody on that field. K-State's offensive line has done a, a, a pretty good job, I would say. Not too bad protecting the QB. And they certainly did against, I thought, Tulane. Certainly thought they did a good job. It's going to be harder. This is going to be most likely a defensive line that K-State will have to face tougher than Tulane. And I think there's no doubt about that. But it goes back to what we said in the first hour. There is a lot that has to be corrected and fine-tuned to give yourself a chance to beat Oklahoma. And I think that's a lot to ask for in six days. So am I giving K-State a shot to win this game? Yes, of course. Wild things happen in college football Every Saturday. every And look how weird it's already been. Crazy upsets already. Hail Marys going for wins. You know, K-State could be part of that story too. But on an educated guess, I'm not picking K-State to win this game. And I would imagine most people out there would not disagree with me. So, K-State's defense has to shut down Eric Gray. He is... Their best option in the running game, I think what helps out the defense is that Dylan Gabriel is not known as a running quarterback. Mm -hmm. Tulane, when they scored their two touchdowns, really opened up the drive and made it a successful drive with Michael Pratt running the football. Mm -hmm. He was not expected to run the football. I I think he ran it 13 times or something like that total. That wasn't expected. Mm -mm. I doubt that was expected. Brent Venables wants to throw a big wrinkle in there, run Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> but that scramble that went for 61 yards against Nebraska is rare and will probably not be seen the rest of the season for Oklahoma. So there's a couple of keys. But so many things have to go right. 
K-State's got to get a little bit lucky. But I won't count them completely out. So that's what I got to say about that. Mm-hmm. I think K-State's defense can carry the day as long as they get off the field. As long as they're big on third down. As long as they're not out third. there, you know, as long as they're not out there too much the yeah. whole game. Defense. Yeah. They probably got tired at the end of that game. It's hot. It's humid. Yeah. It was New Orleans weather. Yep. Yeah. It was New Orleans weather against Tulane. And, you know, we, we've been talking about Adrian a lot, and, and of course it's, you know, it's the story it, the, from that game. I mean, you can't watch that Tulane game and not come away with at least a little bit of talk about him. And we talked about it just a touch earlier in the first hour. We got to get in a groove. It's those wide receivers and tight ends need to get in a groove too. It doesn't. It's not just one guy's problem. Sometimes I feel like our pass catchers, if it's not right there in the numbers, it's a struggle. And sometimes you have to go get the ball. Sometimes you got to beat a guy for the ball. And sometimes you got to reach back and grab one. Or you got to, like I said, he got a hand fight inside for some for a football. Those guys are Division One athletes too. And they're scholarship guys too. And it's not going to be pretty every time. You have to go get one. And I just hope that they remember that and know, let's fight for this guy too. Let's fight for our quarterback and go get one we're not supposed to. Maybe he does throw a crappy ball. Go, go! It goes too high. Go get it, man. Let's do this. Another question. Is Adrian Martinez going to throw the ball down the field? Yes. The correct answer is yes. He is going to. We are going to see more of that because it has to happen. Yeah. And if he is not doing that, major issue. Right. That is all you need to know about where he is mentally. And then we change from there. Mm-hmm. But he – I mean – Adrian Martinez is a smart guy. He's really smart. There's a reason, and he's talented. There's a reason why he has so many records at Nebraska. For one, he's been starting since he was a freshman. He can put some numbers up. Like I said, he threw for 289 against Oklahoma last year in a low-scoring game. He can throw it down the field. Does it take one mistake? Maybe. But also, I think maybe it takes a 75-yard seam route up the middle for a touchdown. Maybe that's it as well. I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this before. Me either. Me either. It's it's hard to it's in a way it's kind of hard to break it down. We know exactly what needs to happen, but it's also unpredictable. It just it, it's it's like, well, do you think K-State will uh, be much better in the passing game? I don't have a freaking clue. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, because you're trying to build it literally from essentially build it back from the ground up. Right? The head coach has said it. He's he said it. We got to we got to throw the ball more. We have to go downfield. He said it. So that means the boss has said, we got to do that. You know the OC is going to listen, and it's up to Adrian to make it happen. Do you think there's a tiny part of him in the back of his mind that goes, I could go out here against Oklahoma, throw it around, score some touchdowns, keep us in it. But ultimately, I don't want to be the reason that we lose the game. I don't want to I want I don't want it to be a bad Adrian Martinez pick that ends the game for the Cats here in Norman. Somebody brought it up in, in, in Tuesday's press conference like with the players or whatever, like is this uh, is this like a nothing to lose mentality? And somebody said, Oh absolutely. I was like, well, you know, is it I don't think that's is it yeah. well but the thing like I, I think in a way it is like because it's one game. It's the beginning of Big 12 play, and it's it's one game at the end of the day. It's not going to completely demolish your chances of being the best in the Big 12. But um, I don't know. A lot of this is just about just 
K-State. It just so happens the opponent is Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. A lot of growth is just on the inside. And ho- first play of the game, if K-State starts with the football, if you have a one-on-one potentially, bomb it. Bomb it down the field. Bomb it. See what happens. Bomb it. Bomb it. Go for broke. I do the if you're if we're two and six heading into this game, nothing to lose. Yeah. We're a dangerous team to play two and six because we got nothing to lose. If they know the hype that came into this season. They know every, all the players and coaches, they felt it. Everybody was excited. And we know, hey, we tripped up against Tulane, but still got a chance to get this thing back on the right track. Against Oklahoma, we could beat them. We, you know, a lot's riding on this. They know it. I, I love the mentality of nothing to lose, um, but I think there's a ton. If this goes bad, the whole, I mean, really, could you, could you, could we lose control of this thing right off the bat? Maybe, maybe. Oh, if it's, if it's a final score of 35 to three, yep. panic button what if it's, at that point. I mean, it was just a few years ago. I know ago. it's Oklahoma, but still. Right. A few years ago, they'd be just like 66 nothing at home. You know, like, what What if it's 66 But that was a disaster. What if it's 66 nothing? I mean, that's... I don't think that'll... That's not it. it that won't happen. I, I That I won't happen. Not, I'm not saying that's going to happen. If it does, panic button for sure. Beep, beep, beep. Season on the brink already. Four games in. That's That would stink. K-State's... Would stink. K-State's uh, I'm telling you, K-State's defense... Yes... Toughest offensive opponent they'll face today, or you know, to this point. Uh, but I, I don't think the defense would be that big of a letdown. Not no, no, it, it would not happen. That's how much I believe in this defense. I, I would be shocked, you know, if it ever got into the forties. I that's what I think. I, I think there's no way that it's a total blowout. I, there's no way. I'm just saying, if it was the nothing to lose, there's a lot. To lose. Well, if the offense isn't, if it's going three and out, first three or four drives, and you just have nothing going offensively, first yeah. of all, you start thinking about a change, and um, at, at some point, the, you know, the defense is just going to get tired. But I don't want to use that excuse, no, because also I think the defense got thrown under the bus on the press conference Tuesday Ooh. about how I don't have the exact quote here. But it's like we played good, but at times we needed to play great. That's what Coach Kleiman said and uh, pointed out the two touchdowns. We gave up big plays. Like, well, I mean, yeah, they're not perfect. No. But they just still did a hell of a job to give you a chance to win. I, I believe in the defense greatly. That's where I get my optimism from. This defense is solid. They're so talented. They're talented. They're talented. The offense needs to back them up. All right, we need to take our final break. Uh, when we come back, let's get to uh, our number one song of the day and ask us anything to wrap up next. <laughs> I got my mindset you. I got my mindset you. I got my mindset you. get it. From 1988, Got My Mindset On You by George Harrison. One week at number one, of course, Big Steve. George, Har- George Harrison from... Liverpool? Well, the, yeah, the band he was in. Oh. Why am I blanking right now? Oh, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, you, you should not be. Dude, blanking. I'm. My mind's scattered. Yeah. Uh, the Beatles. Oh, that's why I don't he, care. He about is them. from Liverpool, okay. and yes, he was a Beatle. Uh, he was known as the Quiet Beatle. 
Uh, if you've seen any documentary footage of the Beatles, yeah, he did seem like the quiet one for sure. But maybe the most creative one. Uh, at least I kind of think he is. Not the main songwriter or anything, but... Um, I, I hear this song and I can't help but think of Weird Al's version. I'll get to that here in a second. Thank Let's you. chill right. out, Troy. Uh, why do I um, do that? But he was the one that embraced the Indian culture. He yep. took the boys over to India, and then that's when they started to make their best music. Man, that was some good... LSD. <laughs> I'm th- yeah, I'm, I'm, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> What's that? Oh, it was Dewey Cox, right? Dewey Cox. You want to try some LSD, Louie? Because we are the Beatles. <laughs> if he wants to do it, let him do it. <laughs> Man, that was some good. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 1988, uh, helped co-found the Traveling Wilburys. And now this is when we go to... Who wants to be put up to the test here? DG, could you tell us uh, the members of the Traveling Wilburys? Yes, uh, George Harrison, um, you've got Bob Dylan. Okay. You've got... um, There's five. Oh, okay. Uh, Roy Orbison. Yep. Uh, Waylon Jennings. No. No. Oh, crap. Um, Well, uh, 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 I don't know after that. You want to finish it off? Uh, Yeah, um, Tom Petty. Tom Petty. And uh, Lynn. Jeff yeah, Lynn. Yeah, Jeff Lynn. Very good. Very good. Both of you. Yeah, good job. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. Uh, George Harrison, who's my favorite Beatle, uh, I, th- I felt he was the best singer. Uh, that, that is a hot take, and I get it. <laughs> he died from lung cancer in 2001 at the age of 58. That was two years after surviving a knife attack by an intruder at uh, one of his homes. Damn. Rolling Stone magazine ranked George Harrison number 11 on their list of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Uh, of course, he was known as a lead guitarist for the Beatles. Uh, two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. 12 st- this is as a solo artist. 12 studio albums, 13 top 40 hits, his last of three number ones. And it's from his 11th studio album called Clown 9. And man, does he look like a cool dude on the cover of that album. <laughs> Go look it up. So, believe it or not, guys, this song is a cover it is a cover song from 1962. It was originally recorded by James Ray and the Hutch Davy Orchestra and Chorus. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, I love those guys, especially when uh, the, the Greatest Hits album, I, I bought that when I was in high school. He first heard this song when he was visiting his girlfriend in Illinois in 63. And this is before Beatles Mania made mm-hmm. it over to Illinois. <laughs> what the hell was his girlfriend doing in Illinois? I don't know. Snuck in, snuck out. Nice uh, job. But this was a comeback. This was a big comeback for yes, George Harrison because he hadn't had a hit since 81, hadn't had a number one since Give Me Love in 1973. So until the Beach Boys released Kokomo, Harrison had the record for longest span between number one hits. Now, this was the last song by a solo Beatle. To go number one in the United States. He was also the first to go number one with My Sweet Lord. Now we can get to Weird Al Yankovic. Do you want to you want to sing it for us? This song is just six words long. That's exactly this song it. is just six words long. <laughs> to be honest with you, I never I never even heard of that Weird Al song until yeah. I saw it uh, yeah. in the research there. <laughs> now get a load of this sentence. In 2010, AOL radio listeners. Chose Got My Mind Set on You as George Harrison's fourth best song ever. 
And uh, Billboard ranked this uh, number three on their uh, final mm. list of best songs of 88. You know what? It's okay. It, it's, it's 80s pop. Okay it's 80s song. pop, it's man. Like, Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Whatever. It's, it's, hey, and listen, I know, uh-oh. enormous Stefan, that you don't <laughs> care so much for the Beatles, but it is important if you're a music person to know the members of the Beatles. I no, mean, he, like, it, listen, he got woke up way early this morning. and I so, did, because like, Troy decided to break everything like in this like, studio this morning. Like, hey. I get a phone call at like 6.20 in the morning, yeah. like, hey, everything's not working. Hey, Help. Who's, the no, who's the second president of the United States? Like, I don't care. But John Adams, I know that. Okay. You got to know the Beatles. That's your homework. Look, I'll admit that they helped with a lot of modern music stuff and all that. I will give them credit for that. But (laughs) they're overrated. Your argument's invalid. Have a nice day. Says the fan of Linkin Park. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Whoa! Here we go. Okay, Mr. Prince and the Revolution over there. For Big Steve, DG. (laughs) TC, MF, we're out.